Thank you for checking out the Life Church Utah podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. If you'd like to give to Life Church, you can do so by texting the word LC Give to 43506. And now, a message from one of our pastors. Starting a series today uh, called Life Together. And uh, I, uh, I enjoy doing life together rather than in isolation, right? I, um, how do we grow spiritually? Because I think that becomes a big question for us that we need to begin answering. Um, and it's, it's not a super easy answer, and it can, we can let it get super complicated. There are books and websites all devoted to how people grow and, and specifically how we grow spiritually. So uh, a way that I grow spiritually is I love to read. Any readers out there? I mean, I, I love to read. I devour. I, I love reading. And if you were to go to my office right now, uh, it's, I've got tons of books. I haven't read any of them, but I've got tons of books. <laughs> Makes me look really smart. No, so I've got tons of books out there. I've read some of them. I read many of them. And uh, in those moments when, uh, when I read, I love learning about the Lord. And I've got some books in there, deep theology, right? And, and all those things that make me appear much, much smarter than I actually am. And read those things, throw out words from time to time. Um, so I, I've got those things. But the question that I have to ask myself is, how much of that really helps me grow in my faith? Now, I, I, I think we need that personal study, right? I mean, that, that's something that we have to have in our lives. I, we, we've got to read the word of God on our own. We've got to be able to have devotions on our own and those times of prayer on our own. We've got to do that. But is that the only way that we grow? Is that the only way that God has said, hey, I'm gonna, I, I want you to grow in your faith? I think the reality is, is that if we try to grow in isolation, uh, anybody remember and were around for first run uh, I was not, for first run TV show called The Lone Ranger. Anybody watch it first run? All right, some of you did very, very good. You're just showing your age right there. That's awesome. Thank you for owning up to it, right? And uh, I saw reruns of that, and oftentimes the phrase The Lone Ranger makes the assumption that nobody was with him. But is that the truth, even for The Lone Ranger? No, he had somebody with him all the time. Wasn't just a sidekick, somebody participating in life together, making a difference. And I think, and in fact, I believe if you read the word, and if you read the Bible, you will begin to find out that we grow best not only alone, but when we couple that with others around us. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about uh, this whole idea of life together so that we don't think... Uh, that it's only about us in isolation, then that's the best way to grow in the Lord. So the great thing about all of this is whether th this is the first time you are here at Life Church, and uh, maybe a friend invited you or you're driving by at night and you are blinded uh, by the marquee or whatever it is out there, okay, and you're driving by and say, I've just got to find out what's going on and you have no faith, nothing at all, don't know who Jesus is and you happen to be here today. So whether you're on that side of, of, of this equation or you have been around for decades and you have become kind of like a picture on a wall here at Life Church, you know, and, and you've been here for decades, wherever you fall on either of these extremes, God wants us to grow in him, right? That becomes this foundational belief that we have is that God wants us to know him. God wants us to, to find out more about him and wants us to grow. He wants us to be those who are so transformed by him that we can't help but, be stay, but to stay stuck to him, no matter the circumstances of our life. 
So I believe that spiritual growth, while both personal through studying by oneself and through community of believers, it's best seen and secured when we gather together as believers. Because there's something that happens with our faith when we're next to somebody, especially in a setting like this, we're next to somebody and we are at the end of our rope and we are struggling and we are broken and we are hurting. It's been a terrible week and somebody next to us is singing the song, yes, I will. No matter what, right? No matter what. I'm I'm not going to sing the whole thing because then you'd leave. Um, So we have this idea, somebody singing next to me who's got a faith that I don't have right now. We desperately need that. So Paul, there's this guy named Paul in the New Testament. That's kind of in the back half of your Bible, if you have a Bible. And uh, turn, please, to Philippians chapter 2. So this guy named Paul, he's an early church leader. He's a pastor in some churches in a number of places in the Roman Empire. And as he is uh, beginning to talk to these churches and help to lead them, the churches have a lot of questions about faith. How many of you have questions about faith? right? We have questions about it. I have questions about faith. That's why the Bible reading it is so important because we find so many answers in there. But they have questions about faith. How do they do this Christian thing in the midst of a culture that is antithetical to faith in Christ? Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Right? This is what we deal with today. And so he writes to these churches, and one of these is to to that of believers in the city called Philippi. Now, Philippi is a Greek city that's been kind of overtaken by the Roman Empire, and uh, these people are confused. These people have so many gods. They're trying to figure out how to have the old gods that they had when they were a Greek culture. Now, the Roman gods are kind of thrown on top of it, and they're trying to figure out where does Jesus fit into all of this, and it's confusing to them, so they ask questions of Paul. So Paul is imploring them to see a bigger picture of who Jesus is and and have a more grandiose idea of this King of kings and Lord of lords. And in particular, looking forward to the the reality that Paul knows that is coming, that the church is going to be facing difficult times. And in fact, soon after this, uh, we know from history uh, that uh, there really was a persecution across all of the Roman Empire uh, soon after this letter was written. But Philippians chapter 2 he begins to ask or begins to answer the question, what does growing in faith look like? What does it mean to have a growing faith? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. In other words, he goes, hey, as your pastor, you got to help me out. As your pastor, you know, if, if there's any love among one another, if there's any joy out there at all, help, uh, help me out, make my joy complete. And then he says this, be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and, in one, and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Paul's here appealing to them as their spiritual leader, the one who, brought, who first brought the, the good news of Christ to them. Here, Paul is saying, here's what you need to do in order to make joy complete. And these are kind of the marks of a growing faith. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about each one of these, but uh, kind of measure yourself against what Paul has just said. These are the marks of the growing faith. Be of same mind, be of same love, unified, no selfish ambition, no conceit. 
to live in humility, to put others first, not me, but you. Not me looking inward, but you looking outward. Now, can any of these things be done in a growing faith in isolation? I would tell you, no, none of these things can. Paul is pointing out the reality that we've got to have one another if we're going to have a growing faith. We have to have one another. Otherwise, how can we be unified? How many of you are even unified with yourself? <laughs> right? We've got to be unified with one another. No selfish ambition, not looking out for myself, but putting others first. So Paul, after this, he's telling the church, he's saying, okay, so th this, is, this is all well and good, but how do you actually do this? Is there a model that we can point to that's able to do this. Have you ever tried to do something new on your own without getting any wisdom from anybody else, not even looking on the internet? Have you ever tried to do it on your own? It usually ends very difficult, right, for your life. If I wanted to be a better cook, I would go online, and while I disagree with a lot of who this person is, I would try to find things about Gordon Ramsay. Because he knows how to make eggs like nobody's business. He knows how to cook. Like, and, and so you go on there and you find something, you find wisdom from somebody, yes, like a Gordon Ramsay, and you learn how to cook because there's some disconnect in my brain. Uh, like I can, I can cook a great pork tenderloin. I am great at that. But for some reason, steak just has me so confused. People say, well, you got to cook it hotter. I've got like 9,000 degrees, and I don't know why it's not cooking right. <sighs> I need some help. If I wanted to free climb, you guys know what free climb is? That's climbing without ropes. If I wanted to free climb, I would, I would talk to this guy. Got a video here for you. This guy is Alex Honnold. This is from a documentary called Free Solo. He's climbing El Capitan in Yosemite without ropes. The shots that are here are unreal. Now, how many of you, this right here, just... just Made your, made your heart like dump, jump down to your stomach. Right? There he is right in the middle of the wall, thousands of feet above with no ropes. If I wanted to learn how to free climb, I'm not going to talk to my 13-year-old daughter. Catherine, how do I do this? No. I'm going to go to Alex Honnold and I'm going to say, how do you do this? Because you are the expert and I am not. You've been there. You've done that. You have climbed El Capitan and I've never done it. I'm going to be like you. Or if I wanted to start a company that built rockets, Elon, here I come, right? Elon Musk, I mean, he's the guy, this is the, uh, uh, the uh, Falcon Heavy taking off right at this point, started from nothing and built this incredible space uh, kind of kingdom that he is building there. If I want to learn how to get a rocket into space, he is the guy that I'm going to go talk to because he's been there. He's done that. He's figured it out. And in fact, in this one, uh, in launching that thing out there, what did he launch? Nothing less than one of his own cars, a Tesla, that is now out somewhere near the asteroid belt uh, flying around our solar system, I don't think, ever uh, to make its way back here ever again. But he knows how to get things in space. And he actually knows how to return things from space. So I would want to be able to line up with somebody like an Elon Musk. If I wanted to laugh more easily, I would talk to Big Jim. 
right? If I want to laugh more easily and have an outlook on life, that's like, uh, so he had surgery back a little while ago, and I go visit him uh, in, the, in the hospital, in the rehab hospital, and he is just cutting up and talking, making me laugh the whole time there, and he just had this huge back surgery and everything, and I'm like, Lord, I want to be able to laugh as easily as that. If I wanted to, you fill in the blank, I would have to find somebody who's been there and done that. So Paul does this for us, and he points to one person that we're to emulate, someone that we're to copy in our life, and no surprise, it's Jesus, right? So in Philippians, uh, which we're going to get to much deeper uh, at the beginning of this next year, we're going to go through the book of Philippians in a series, um, there's this, this central hymn of the early church. Now, the hymns in the, in the Bible weren't necessarily put to, to music like what we have today, but this would be a hymn that would allow them through, um, uh, through, through their poetry to be able to remember certain things. And so this hymn predated Paul, and he's kind of putting it in this letter, and it's something that lifts up the name of Jesus, something that shows really the, the breadth and the grace and the power of Jesus Christ. And so Paul puts this in his letter and says, okay, you want to do all these things. You want to grow spiritually and you have faith and be looking outward towards others. He says this, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So he, he kind of puts this in here. And now we get to the hymn. It says, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited or something to be gained, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. In other words, Paul's saying, this is fully God absolutely 100% divine. He's, that this is God who's emptying himself and becoming less than and fully human, <laughs> becoming less than God but fully human, yet at the same time retaining, retaining every bit of God. Confused? Yeah, so am I. I don't know how all of that works, but this is what Paul is getting across. And he says, and, be, as, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So remember the Philippine, Philippines, the Philippians, uh, they are, uh, the Philippines, uh, well, whatever, I'm sorry, I'm going to go way off, and I'm not going to, I'm going to stay on track. Um, the F Philippians, they were a Roman culture, and so they understood what crucifixion was, and so when Paul gets to this point in the hymn, he says, and he became obedient to, uh, to the point of death, even death on a cross, the people understood the shame the people understood uh, the, the, the pain and the turmoil and everything that that represented. And that stands so much in contrast to what it just said, that he is fully God. How in the world would God allow himself to undergo this? A couple of big ideas here. And uh, I'm going to throw a word out to you. I don't normally do that. I'm going to throw a, throw a word out to you. And I'm going to challenge you to use this word later on this week in, uh, in a sentence, all right? And this word here is a good theological term, and it's called kenosis, right? K-E-N-O-S-I-S, -S, kenosis. All that that word means, and it kind of had to be uh, kind of commandeered for the, in the Greek language to help out with understanding what God did in Christ Jesus. This word kenosis means emptying one's self, where you have authority and position, but you empty yourself of that to become something else. And this is what Jesus did. He emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, or servant. And because he did, remember he's all powerful, all God, all divine, every, all the power there. And he flips it upside down, takes on the nature of a servant. Because he did this, 
Jesus identifies with the broken. Jesus identifies with the outcast. Jesus identifies with the marginalized. And he followed through with all of this by obedience to the Father, which found its ultimate reality in his willingness to endure death on the cross. And so Paul is pointing to this and he's saying, if you want to do that, you want to make your life about others, follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, who gave himself and had an outward vision from the beginning. And God's heart has been and always will be about others, right, as it should be for us, that our hearts should be captured by the other. Now, I love gathering together here on Sunday mornings. I mean, there, there's something powerful about it, right, and something we have to do, something that I believe as believers that we should do on a regular basis. However, every one of us have people that are far away from God. You've got your friends at school that are far away from God, teenagers, right? You've got your coworkers. You, uh, you, you drive, you know, you drive uh, to work. You go to coworkers that don't know the Lord. You come home to your neighborhood. You're surrounded by those who don't know the Lord and have a faith in Jesus Christ and all of those things. So we have to have a heart for others. So what does this mean for Life Church? Now, it's supremely easy to come to church and just sit. If you haven't figured that out, it's super easy to do. I'm not telling you to do that, but that is so easy to do that, right? Where you come on a Sunday morning, and maybe you haven't connected with anybody, so you come and you sit down in the seat that you always sit in, and you've been sitting there now for about 13 years, never moving from it, and you go, this is my spot. How many of you have a spot, and when somebody else sits in it, you get angry, right? Okay, good. Well, the Lord's going to help you with this, because <laughs> maybe he's challenging you to not sit any longer, Right? Now, I get it that there are times when you come to church and you just need to sit. I get that. Maybe there are, there's a season in your life where you are walking into this and, and you, you are coming in hurt and broken and, and it's just a season in your life, in your family's life, when you just need to be rebuilt and the best thing for you to do, to do is to come and to be part of a family of faith and you sit. But eventually... You can't sit any longer. Something happens to the backside, <laughs> right? If you sit too long, you ever feel that before? And God, I think, wants us to no longer stay seated. He wants us to grow in him. There are times when um, we can walk into a church like Life Church and be anonymous. And for some of you, that's, that's been a value for you because you can come in and fly under the radar, and we do with our ushers and our greeters and, you know, those around, hopefully they're, they, I mean, hopefully they're doing their jobs, I know they are, and being able to point out to people that are new that they don't recognize, even if you've been here for 12, 13, 14 years ago, are you new here? Don't be offended by that, they just haven't met you yet, right? And so you come in, and it's super easy to just be anonymous and kind of fly under the radar. But I think God has more for you than anonymity in the kingdom of God. And so we need to make sure that in our lives, it's not only about just us, but it's about growing in Christ, which is that core desire and that growing in Christ takes an outward flare as we notice the other. Now, growing in my faith, um, it can't be the right time. Oh, well. Uh, growing in faith, uh, I have found in my own life, is not a step-by-step -step process. 
Now, I have gone through step-by-step discipleship process where you go point A, point B, point C, point D, and you take copious notes and all of that. But how many of you have found that when it comes to responding to God, it's a lot messier than a point-by-point kind of experience with God? And I've been reading recently, and uh, this book called Sticky, uh, Sticky Church, and uh, really helped me understand a little more about this. And there are times in life that are not linear. There are times in life it's just a jumbled mess. And when we get to that point in our life, we go, uh, boy, in our faith in this moment, this is a need-to-know moment. I need to know something about faith that I don't know right now. Or it's a need-to-grow moment. I need to grow right now in my faith because this thing is happening in my life and I haven't been, quote-unquote, prepared for it. So Larry Osborne says this, he says, need to know moments happen when we find ourselves in a predicament where we need to know God's viewpoint on an issue that we've never dealt with before. You ever run across that before? Uh, maybe it's an ethical thing going on in your place of work. And the, the, the people that you're, your coworkers have kind of succumbed to the way that business is done, but you're looking at it and you're going, this is not ethical, but you don't know a way forward. How do I begin changing the the culture within my work when I'm not in the seat of of power and authority, but I am just one of the other coworkers? How do I, I've never been down this road before. This is one of those need to know moments. And the last time I checked, I don't remember Life Church ever offering a class that says, how do I handle unethical things in my workplace? (laughs) Right? I don't think we've ever offered that before. Maybe we should, uh, but we've never have. And so how do I do it if I'm not prepared? God's already there, and our relationship with him based on our, our, our time alone in isolation with him in our own study, when we gather it together with those people of faith around us, all of a sudden in those need-to-know moments, God opens up the doors for us to grow in faith through relationship. The need-to-grow moments are pretty similar, but they're usually accompanied by tough trial or a stretching experience. Maybe an unexpected job loss, a broken heart through broken relationship. Ever experienced that before, (laughs) right? Uh, Trauma in the family and so much more. And these need to grow moments, it's in these that our faith becomes our own. I remember my wife and I back a number of years ago, um, Shelly was pregnant and we lost, uh, lost our child. Her name was Jordan at the age of like 25 weeks. And uh, man, that was a, a, a tough traumatic time. And, and as a pastor, there was a side of me going, I've got this, right? You know, I'm a pastor, so therefore I've got all this figured out. But man, there was heartbreak and heartache in the middle of all of that. And so God, I think, was beginning to deal with us and say, hey, Rich, you can't do this on your own. You, you can't. You need people around you. And so Shelly and I began asking questions and talking to people and came to realize there was a whole host of people who'd walked through uh, miscarriage before and had, had kind of walked through that heartache that could come around us, and it completed something in our faith that we did not have on our own. And if we tried to do this in our isolation, when those need-to-grow moments happen, those need-to-know moments happen, all we know is what we know. But all of a sudden, when we invite other people into our lives, we now can see how God worked in their life, and we can say, God, maybe you want to work in my life that way. And there's something powerful that happens. So we want to help you take next steps, right? If this just remains theory, just remains this idea, we want to help you take some next steps uh, when it comes to uh, towards Christ and towards wholeness. And the great thing is, 
about this is you're not the only one needing to take next steps in faith. How many of you think that uh, you can grow in your knowledge and wisdom and love of the Lord? How many of you can grow in your knowledge? Most of you. What's well, good? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, wonderful. I'll have you come up next week and speak to figure it out. So, <laughs> all right. So a couple of things that we can do, right, to help us when it comes to growing our faith. Very first thing, I'm just calling it Life Church Weekend. Uh, Keep coming on Sunday mornings to Life Church. That to me is a fantastic place to start. If this is your first Sunday or once again, you've been here for a long time, keep coming. Something happens when you keep coming and yep, you stay in the same seat. You begin to recognize the people around you, begin carrying on conversation. And I loved it. Somebody came in a couple of, couple of minutes late. They came today, this morning. This happened. I watched with my own eyes. Came down. They sat down and the people around them gave them big hugs. Now they might be family, but they might not. I'm, I'm trusting that they're not family. Gave big hugs because they loved seeing that person when they came in. That's beautiful, right? That should be the way that this is. It's like a homecoming every single Sunday because you have found a place to fit. So be here. Participate. Be a part of what God's doing in the worship time. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Clap a little bit. It's okay because we're experiencing the Lord together. And then the next steps really are kind of, kind of up to you after attending here and being a part of Life, Life Church. Next thing is up to you. A couple of different ways. Number one is through serving. Talked about this before, but serving, something happens when you serve alongside of, of other people, whether that's ushering or greeting or helping out in our kids' ministry or youth ministry, wherever that is, something happens in developing and building relationships when you serve together. It takes this big place, makes it much smaller, so that when you are standing next to the person you're serving with and you've had a rough day at work this last week, all week long was terrible for you, when you come here on a Sunday morning, you have somebody who by name you can call out and say, uh, Kurt, I am struggling right now. Can you please pray with me because work was terrible this last week. Anybody have a terrible week last week at work? Right? And what would it be if you come here and in faith gather together with other people who you know personally and can pray with them? That can happen through serving. And at the same time, not only are you being blessed, but you are blessing other people because you're fulfilling the call that God has on your life. The next thing, and this is really what we're, uh, we're talking about here for the next, this week and next week, is uh, we're kicking off our life groups starting next Sunday. Now, life groups can run uh, all during the week, uh, Sunday through Saturday, except for Wednesday nights because of our midweek uh, events that we have going on here. But our life groups begin next Sunday. And it's in life groups that we experience real life. Here's a quick description. It's in these life groups that you will find perfect people with no issues who've got it all figured out and have all the answers to all your questions. And all my life group leaders uh, just resigned, <laughs> right? No, because what happens in life groups is real people get together to share real problems and real life together and find a real God who develops in us a real faith. That's what happens, isn't it, in our life groups? Um, they're not therapy groups, 
right? They're not Bible study only groups. Yeah, the band, oh, the band's, look at that. I was just getting ready to, man, the band is on it. I love you guys. Oh, you guys are fantastic. Um, the groups are not therapy groups. They're not Bible study only, not only prayer. All of that stuff happens. Well, maybe not the therapy side of it because that's professional, right? It's not a social club, but life groups are the place to connect with others like you to step into spiritual growth, step into spiritual growth and new life in Christ. So we need to be connected uh, with one another. Anybody remember this? Uh, remember this right here? So, Stephen, can you help me out real quick? I'm going to give you uh, give you this one right here. I think that one's the one that you had from. All right. So here we go. So this fantastic game. All right. So here we go. So ball throwing it to him. Now don't drop. This is a person. Don't drop this person right here. Okay. Ready? Well, that person's going to hell. All right. Uh, so here we go. Let's try that again. Okay, here we go. There we go. Okay, good. Perfect job. Give Stephen a hand. All right. So when we are launched out in faith, right, something begins to happen in our lives when we recognize that we can get caught by one another. Stephen, go ahead and let's see if I can catch this one. All right. So I caught that one. I didn't even help my other hand. Okay, so good. So here we go. So, so this, I am now caught. Let's just say this is me, and I am being launched out in faith. Um, in each one of the sections, I don't remember exactly where it is, but underneath one of your seats, in each one of the sections, there is one of these. Can you look under, under your seat really quickly? All right. I forget which row it's in. I think this one, it's the second row right here. This one's like three-fourths of the way back. All right, perfect. Hold it up very quick. Have you got it? Oh, beautiful. Right there, right there. We got one over here, right? I think it's, I think it's underneath yours, I believe. And then one right back here. All right, good. Now, I need you to help me out because you're going to represent this whole idea of, of faith and life groups and all that. So where's this one right here? Can you catch it? You think you can catch it? I'm going to wing this thing. No, okay, I won't do that. Okay, you ready? Okay, here we go. What a catch. Look at that. All right. Hold on to that. Okay, where's this one right back here? All right, you ready? Okay. Oh, that was a bad throw. And she still caught it. Woo! All right. All right. You, you ready for this? You're, you're not. Okay. Somebody's life is now in your hands. But it's okay. No pressure. No pressure at all. Okay, you ready for this? Oh, bad throw. Oh, no. That person needs a second shot. Here we go. One, two, three. Boom. There we go. All right. All right, you want to throw that one back up to me real quick? All right, perfect. And one way back there. Are you, who's got that one? All right, you're a little nervous. Okay, you ready? Can you catch this? Can you do Oh, yeah, standing up. Okay, good. Here we go. One, two, three. Oh, yeah. All right. So, yeah, Catherine, you want to throw that back up to me? All right, cool. And this one that was right over here, where is that one? All right, we'll see. Nice throw. All right. Nice throw. Thank you very much. Can you make it? This is the big question. All right, here we go. Boom. One bounce. All right, very good. So here's what happens. Every one of you caught somebody, and so thank you very much for that. But here's what happened. Let's just say this represents that, that circle of community, that faith that you've got, and you get stuck, and somebody else gets stuck, and somebody else stuck around you, and your life, you're going, how do I make it through this Christian faith thing? Well, this is how we make it, right? Is when we are stuck together in a group of believers so that when life happens and we begin shaking and all that stuff, we are unshakable in our faith because we are better together, folks. We are so much better together. This is how the early church did it. They didn't have fancy buildings. They didn't have fantastic 
worship teams. They didn't have smoke and lights and all that stuff. But what they had was this. They had faith together. They would gather in people's homes. They would gather in the marketplace. They would gather in their place of employment. They would gather together. And when this person has an issue and a problem they're dealing with, they could talk to this person and say, how did you handle that? And together we become better because we're a community of faith. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here as we close out. We pray that today's message is a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.